0: If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 will be our text for this morning. Luke chapter 10. Uh, This last month was a pretty normal month for me. Uh, I had certain schedules and certain priorities, certain meetings, things set up. Uh, But also, like most months, uh, for me, there were many distractions that got in the way of those things. Uh, it might even be as little as something at the house, where Lucy tells me to, to keep stirring the pot of green beans so that they don't burn. But just in the other room, I have a six-month-old daughter who is making the cutest sounds in the world, and so I'm just forced to go play peekaboo for a while, and inevitably the, the green beans get burnt. Or, or it might happen at the office here. Uh, I'm pretty good at not being distracted by my cell phone. But, but there's this landline that's about three feet away from my ear hole all the time in my office, uh and ninety five percent of the the calls that come over the phone I'll just let you guess what kind of calls they are uh the caller i d affectionately calls them spam risk, and so I'm, I'm right there at the edge of that elusive point for the sermon or or my class, and then all of a sudden I hear spam risk, spam risk, spam risk and and then you know the 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 fight ensues between me and, and an inanimate object for a while and and I completely miss missed the point totally. Distract. It might be even something that's not necessarily bad, a, a good thing. Uh, I need to organize the, the, the garage or my closet that I haven't for a long time. And I do that for a couple of hours. And Lucy comes in and says, did, did you mow the grass like you said you were going to today? Oh man. Distractions. They're everywhere, right? I mean, we just got through the holidays. I, I'm sure some of us were distracted from maybe from family, from, from buying gifts or from our job, from checking the Amazon updates. The distractions are, are all around us. Uh, But but the real danger with distractions today is not just burning the green beans or upsetting our spouse. Uh, It's the danger of distractions pulling us away from our God, from our relationship with our God. And so this morning, what I want to talk about with you is dealing with distractions. And I think in Luke 10, we have a great story to help illustrate this. It's a story about two sisters, Mary and Martha, and they've invited Jesus into their home. And Jesus is teaching But they have two very different reactions to Jesus' teaching because of some distractions that are in the home. So let's begin reading in verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which would not be taken away from her. When we jump into the section of Luke's gospel, uh, Jesus is on a journey. Uh, Luke has told us earlier in his gospel that Jesus has set his face towards Jerusalem. And the idea is that he's not just visiting Jerusalem to see friends. He's on his way to the cross, and and he knows why he's going to Jerusalem. And so so he's on his way to Jerusalem, but that also would have been the Passover feast week. And so what would have happened during this time is that millions of Jews would have been coming to Jerusalem, uh, pilgriming from, from far off lands. And so there would have been people that lived close to the city that would have taking people in for them to say. So what we have with Mary and Martha here is really the, the OG Airbnb. They're, they're letting Jesus stay for a little while before he goes into the feast. And, and there's really nothing weird going on in verse 38 where we begin. Martha is doing just what she's supposed to do. She's inviting Jesus in. She's being hospitable. Hospitality was a really big deal during that time, even more of a deal than it is today. Uh, there's actually one famous Jewish rabbi. His name is Rabbi Yohanan. He's uh, credited with putting the Talmud together uh, around 2nd, 3rd century. And he wrote this, that hospitality is more important than prayer. That, that That was the culture of this time. Hospitality was a big deal. And so Martha was doing just what she was supposed to do. She was inviting Jesus in. So nothing weird so far. But then we get to verse 39, and we do find something weird. It says that Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. Now, to us, we might not think that that's all that weird. I mean, they know each other. They're friends. Jesus is in their home. Mary knows that Jesus is a teacher. Why wouldn't she sit at his feet? But if we understand the culture of this time, we would know that this seems really odd because women didn't sit at rabbi's feet. This is the position of a disciple. Now, don't misunderstand. Mary was not doing anything sinful. There's nothing against the law of Moses for a woman listening from a rabbi, but it was completely against the culture. Completely against the culture. Women didn't sit at rabbi's feet, but here's Mary listening to Jesus. So if you're a first century Jew reading this, you're thinking, well, what is going on here? But, but then you get to verse 40, and you really don't know what to do, because Martha is getting onto by Jesus, is rebuked by Jesus, because she's serving. Wait a second, that's what she's supposed to be doing. This, this is her job. She's a first century Jewish woman. She's supposed to serve her guests. And further than that, if you aren't already completely confused, your head's about to explode, Because not only does Martha get rebuked for the serving that she's doing, but because she's distracted, she comes up and she tells Jesus, she accuses him for not caring about her. seemingly right in the middle of his teaching, she walks up and cuts him off. And not only does she accuse him, she commands him. She commands a teacher, tell my sister to come in here and help me at this point you you just don't know what to do with this story what is Martha doing i mean Mary kind of had it bad i mean you know sitting with the boys but now Martha commanding a rabbi what is going on if it was me at that time i'd be ready to, to kind of tell sassy little Martha what what's what but but notice Jesus's response Martha Martha you're anxious and troubled about many things Martha Martha especially in Luke's gospel th- th- this repetitive Sequence of words is an idea of pleading and pity. Uh, the apostles will say, "Master, Master, do you not care that we're perishing?" Jesus will say to those in the, in the last judgment day, lo- "Those speaking to Jesus, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things for you?" And Jesus will say to the city of Jerusalem, "O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, it, it's it's this idea of pity. It's not Martha, Martha. It's not anger. It's it's Martha, Martha. You're distracted." You're anxious. There's so many things to do, so many things to get done. But there's one thing, one thing that's necessary. And she had missed that one thing. But but notice that the reason that Jesus rebukes Martha isn't actually for her serving per se. There was nothing wrong in what she was doing. Serving was, was a good thing to do. Actually, it was expected. She gets rebuked for trying to pull her sister Mary away from the teaching of Jesus. Because there was one thing that was necessary, and Martha was trying to take Mary away from that one thing. Out of the 613 laws in the law of Moses, out of all the good things that Martha could do, there was one thing that was necessary, but she missed that one thing. What I want to do next is there's an obvious contrast between Mary and Martha. This wasn't meant to necessarily be a, a sermon for the end of the year, but as we go through this, maybe you just think about yourself as we contrast Mary and Martha, of what more or better describes you throughout this last year? Mary, it's very obvious at the beginning that she's very attentive, right? She, she, it. We actually get the indication first that she was working with her sister because Martha says she has left me to go at Jesus' feet, right? She, she was cooking with Mary for a little, with Martha for a little while, but but then she decided that, that was done and she went to be with Jesus. But she was attentive when she was cooking with her sister, and now she's attentive when she's listening from Jesus. Further than that, don't you just get this sense of peace with Mary? I I mean, she's not looking over her shoulder, wondering if her sister's going to come get on to her. She's she's calm, and she's peaceful, and she's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's submissive. There's actually a contrast between this story and the one that comes just before it, because it's a story about a lawyer who doesn't sit at the feet of Jesus, but stands up to challenge him and then he, Jesus tells a parable about the Good Samaritan. That comes just before this story. And there's a contrast between that lawyer, an expert in the law, and Mary, who wouldn't be expected to be a disciple, where the lawyer should have been expected to be a disciple, but it's Mary that sits at Jesus' feet in submission. She has a singular focus. She, she is locked in on the teaching of Jesus. She isn't worried about all the things going on in the kitchen, all the things going, around, going on in her world. She is she's focused on Jesus. And because of all of that, she listened to Jesus. Just listened. She, she didn't get out a, a spare piece of papyri to write notes. She, she isn't worried about how long the sermon's going to go or if it's going to be too short. She, she isn't worried about what's going on in the background. She just sat and listened. She just let the world go on hold for a little while. And she listened to Jesus. Now, let's contrast that with Martha. Uh, The first thing that Jesus tells us about Martha is that she's distracted. She's distracted. Actually, the idea uh, of, of the word there, distracted, the connotation of that word that's translated, is being pulled away from something, drug away from something. And even though Martha had invited Jesus into her home, her home was pulling her away from Jesus. She's distracted. She has all these things going on, and that's taken her attention away from Jesus. She's completely scattered. I mean, but she's got bread cooking in the back, and she's got lentils on the stove, and she's trying to gather figs in a bowl. She's got all these plates spinning at the same time. She doesn't know where to go next. She's scattered, and she's stressed. Can you not just palpate the stress of Martha right now? I mean, how do you think her hair was looking at this point? Probably a little frizzy. I mean, she, she's got all these things to do, and her sister isn't helping her. What is going on? And then she, we also find out that she's anxious. Jesus says those words to you are anxious. You're uptight, and you're upset. You're distracted, Mark. Now, because of all of that, she questioned Jesus. She didn't sit at Jesus' feet. She didn't submit at Jesus' feet. She didn't listen to Jesus. She questioned Jesus. She, she not only did she question Jesus, but again, it, it seems like she comes in right at the middle of his teaching. I mean, she probably wished she had a an interior door somewhere that she could slam as she went in, but but she didn't have that. She said to angrily walk through the open walkway, but she goes up to Jesus First accuses Jesus, do you not even care about me? I mean, are, are you blind, Jesus? Have you noticed one of these disciples is not like the other? My sister is sitting among the boys. Have you, have you noticed that? Do you remember me as well? And only that she commands him, get in here with me, Mary. Tell her to do it, Jesus, before the biscuits are burned. Martha, Martha, you're distracted and you're troubled about many things. But what was Martha's problem? Again, it was not her service. It, it was not the, the fact that she was making food for Jesus. That, there was nothing wrong in and of itself that she was serving. In fact, in John's Gospel, a very similar account, she's actually painted in a positive light for the very same thing. In John 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. There was nothing wrong with Martha serving. She was doing a good job. She wasn't complaining about serving. She wasn't mad that there's this whole group that just surprised her that are, that's coming into her home, and now she has to get all these things prepared. She's happy to serve. Her service in and of itself was not a bad thing. It wasn't immoral. It wasn't sinful. There was nothing wrong with that. The issue was her being distracted from the one necessary thing. I, I think the first thing to point out was her attitude. I think we get the indication that as soon as Mary left her, that she immediately started getting this, this attitude of resentment and anger. Why? Why was she mad at Mary? Because Mary wasn't doing the important thing. Mary was sitting in the living room in the AC while Martha is in here doing all the responsible things. We, we have guests are supposed to do all these important things. Mary, why aren't you doing the important things? And so she has this, this attitude of, of anger and resentment, but further than that, I think there's, there's an aspect of, of selfishness here, which maybe we wouldn't think about first, but, but think about it. Martha wants to serve, but she wants to serve her way, right? She knows Jesus. She knows what kind of friend Jesus is. Jesus isn't the friend that's only going to leave happy if his belly's full. No, Jesus is going to leave happy if he's taught, but yet Martha wants to serve Jesus in her way, in the culture's way. She wants to do it how she wants to do it. And so actually there's an aspect of selfishness in this and it actually leads to a very selfish act where she starts telling Jesus, do you not care about me? She takes Jesus' attention away from teaching others and puts it all on herself. And all of that leads to the real problem, the main problem is she got her priorities out of place. Because she's so distracted with all of this serving, with all these things to do, the fact that her sister's not helping her, she completely missed the point. She invited Jesus in to be hospitable and to try to take care of him, but she ends up accusing Jesus and commanding Jesus and missing the fact that she was the one that needed to be fed. Jesus says that Mary has chosen the good portion. It's actually a little bit of a play on words there. That, that phrase or that translated would have been a reference to food. Jesus is saying Mary chose the good meal. Martha, you're trying to feed me, but you're needing to be fed. Mary's being fed, and you're not going to take her away from that. What I want to do, I want to look at three different ways that we possibly can make the same mistakes that Martha did. Uh, And I want us just to to work through these and think about if we ever fall into these categories and maybe how we can combat these. Call them modern, modern, modern Martha mistakes. Man, that's a tongue twister, and it got me. Okay, so the first one, the first one is this idea of, I don't need to listen. This might seem a little odd, but think about it. It seems that Martha wasn't very concerned about listening to Jesus, does it not? I mean, she's concerned about other things. She's concerned about cooking and doing and all this serving. She's not really all that concerned about listening to Jesus. And again, it's not that she was doing sinful things. She's not smoking in the girls' room in the back. She's serving. It's not immoral. It's not sinful. But I think that's just the danger that we can think because we're doing things that are good, that it's okay if we do those things all the time, even if it takes us away from the one necessary thing. Martha was doing good things. Now, now here's the thing. If I if I gave a survey this morning to everyone here and asked, do you need to listen to Jesus? Do you need to sit at the feet of Jesus? Yes or no box? everyone's going to check yes. We, we get that. We realize that. We conceptualize that. We know that we need to sit at the feet of Jesus. We would never say otherwise. And we might not even have an intentional thought of, I don't need to listen to Jesus. But sometimes, sometimes we live it. Right? Another question. Uh, when's the last time that you went a whole day, or excuse me, let's start with this. When's the last time you just skipped a meal in general? some of you might be thinking, I don't know, I'd I'd never skip a meal. Like I make sure I eat. Right. And some of you are like, no, that was like yesterday because I got so busy at work. I just completely skipped lunch. I I totally forgot about lunch. Right. Okay. Well, let's ask another question. When's the last time you skipped a meal for an entire day, like a 24 hour period? Uh, Probably never. Right. If you go a 24 hour period without eating any food, your body is going to let you know that you need to eat something. You need to feed yourself. You're starving. Next question, when's the last time you went a whole day without reading God's Word, without praying, without being fed by Jesus? Well, wait a second, Jesus. I mean, I I have to eat to live. I mean, eating physical food is necessary or I'm going to die. Do you get the point? It's not necessary for me to listen to Jesus all the time. No, that's exactly what Jesus is teaching. That is the one necessary things so so why do we let ourselves starve sometimes i think this problem is the problem of thinking that because i'm doing good things that it's okay if i'm not doing the necessary thing that's exactly what martha was struggling with i'm doing all these good things to serve jesus i'm doing these things to help you and so that took her away from the one necessary thing listen listen to me satan will kill us by starving us with good things, with good things. I need to be the best employee at work I can be. And so I know, you know, it used to be 40 hours a week, but now the new 40 is 50 hours, maybe even 60 hours, maybe more than that. And it's not like I'm being greedy with my money. I mean, I'm, I'm being gracious with my money, and, and I need to be the best employee I can be, and I want to excel, and I need to put food on the table. But what about feeding our family spiritually? I, you know, I, I, my kids are just, they're so intelligent, and I want them to excel, and they need to be good students, so I want them to do the best they can, so I'm going to put them in every AP class they can get in, every higher level course they can get in, I think they can handle it. I know it's a lot of homework, I know it takes us away from a lot of things, and we can't do what we want to do, but it's, it's just the way it is. I want them to excel as a student. But what about them excelling as a disciple of Christ? my kid is just such a good athlete. I mean, I want them to push themselves in their sport. I want them to do the best they can, the very best they can. It's a good thing for them to push themselves. That They can be a good influence in the sport. I get that. That's a good thing. You see it? I, 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 want, I want to be like all of the other good mothers that I see on Facebook and on Instagram. They do all these things for their kids, and then they prepare all these things. And and he, especially around the holidays, I mean, they put this little elf on a shelf and they move it every day. I never really got that. But, but you know, they, they do all this stuff and it just seems like they love their kids so much. And, you know, my kid loves that so much. When I do all that stuff, And I know that took me away from, from studying with them over the holidays. And we never really sat down and prayed. But they know how much I love them because they just love that little elf on the shelf. But do they love God? Do you, do you see how the good things can pull us away from the one necessary thing there's nothing wrong with working hard and there's nothing wrong with being in a sport and there's nothing wrong with being a good student there's nothing wrong with trying to be a good mom in that way but that's just the problem it's because we can think because there's nothing wrong with it that that becomes all that we do and it takes the priority the one necessary thing the next point to think about is I think maybe Martha had this danger of thinking, I am listening. I mean, it was a small home that she would have been in, right? I mean, there's no doubt that she was within earshot of Jesus from the kitchen, right? She would have been able to hear Jesus. Uh, and so Martha has invited Jesus into her home, but she's not really listening to Jesus. Do you say there can be a danger for us of how we can invite Jesus into our home We can even be within earshot of Jesus, but we're not really listening, right? We we can have the Bible sitting on the table. That doesn't mean we're listening, but we can even have uh, uh, studies inside of our home and go through scriptures. But then the next day, if we we don't go out and live that, it's very obvious that even though we were within earshot of Jesus, we weren't sitting at his feet. I think this is especially important even with our kids. Because, yes, it's a good thing for us to go to VBS. That's a good thing. And it's a good thing for them to do their daily Bible reading and to go to Bible class. All these things are very good. But I think there's a danger in thinking, well, just because I got my child in one of those, that's the end goal. They, 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 they invited Jesus in. They were with, within earshot of Jesus. They, you know, like, goal, goal is completed. They went to VBS. They went to class. They read their Bible. That, that, that can't be the end goal. We need to engage we need to engage with our kids. We can't force them to believe anything. We can't force them to learn and to practice anything. But the end goal is not just being within the earshot of Jesus. Just inviting Jesus in our home isn't the end goal. Martha could listen to Jesus. She maybe heard a piece of an Old Testament story or a parable that she knew, but she wasn't submitted at his feet. One, one last point. That I think we can be in danger of is is this problem of or this danger of thinking, I can't listen. I can't listen. This is a little different from the first point. The first point is we, we take these good things and we make them more important than the one necessary thing. This one is we take the urgent and therefore the urgent becomes the important thing. Right. I mean, can't you just imagine Martha thinking, you know, I would love to go in there with Mary, with my sister and sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from Jesus. But I just can't. I got all of these urgent things to do. I know cooking bread isn't as important as listening to the Messiah. I get that. But but it's going to burn if I don't. I mean, there's all these things going on in the kitchen. So I have to get those things first. And then maybe if there's enough time, maybe then I'll listen to Jesus. Do you see it? I mean, I call this I call this the red bubble syndrome. The red bubble syndrome. If you're an iPhone user, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh for those of you that don't, here's a helpful illustration. Uh so if you have an app, right, you have a text message or an email or anything that has a notification and you haven't read one of those, uh you you get Apple is just so gracious to give you this little red bubble. And it's even got a number there for you to let you know how many things you haven't looked at yet. Thank you so much, Apple. Uh and, and so if you're like me, if you have one of these little things over your text message, uh You have to read it. I I just have to pop the red bubble. I mean, I can't just let it sit there and look at me in the face. I have to read it immediately. And and now, just see if you can sympathize with this sort of chain reaction that happens. Now, now I go in and I read that one text message. Was it really important? Was they expecting an important text message? No, but I just have to read it. So I go in and read it. And then once I'm on my phone, oh, well, there's a few emails that I haven't read as, as well. So let's go ahead and check out the emails. And after I get through a few emails, oh, that reminds me of that YouTube video I needed to watch. And no, do I need to watch it right now? No, but I'll forget about it if I don't watch it right now. So I'll go ahead and watch it. And now all of a sudden, a text message turns into an hour of time that was spent. Right? It's the red bubble syndrome. Speaking of red bubble syndrome, I know someone that will remain anonymous that has a red bubble over their email in the thousands. The thousands. And if they keep up the same pace, it's going to be in the 10,000 mark pretty soon. Okay, now for some people, that's not a big deal. They can look at a 10,000 red bubble every day and they're like, okay, what's for dinner? Who cares? Me, it's not even my phone. And just knowing that that exists, I'm like totally stressing out because someone somewhere on their phone has 10,000 unread emails. I can't take it, right? And it's the same way. Have you ever went to bed with an unread text message on your phone? I mean, if it's me, like, no, I don't think ever. I mean, if there's an unwritten, I'm at least going to open it up and pop the bubble. I mean, I might not like look at it and respond, sorry, but I'll at least look at it. But here's the thing. Why, Why do all the urgent things in life get the red bubble? Why is it the text messages and the email and the reminders and the Amazon? Why do they get the red bubble? Why not the important things? Where's the red bubble for loving your neighbor as yourself? Where's the red bubble for forgiving that person that you haven't forgiven? Where's the red bubble for teaching your children the most important things in life today? Where's the red bubble for sitting at Jesus' feet, for being fed by Jesus? It's not there. It's not there. I, I can easily let my head hit the pillow sometimes, and, and, and you know I. I can't let it hit the pillow without reading a text, but I can easily do it sometimes without popping the red bubble on, on my Bible. Did you see the danger of all these urgent things that come at us and we're, we were even built to get the urgent things out of the way and all of a sudden that can consume all of our time into where we say, I just can't listen. I wish I could have sat at Jesus' feet today, but I just couldn't. I didn't have the time. One thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. I struggle with this. I've struggled with this. It's, it's a reminder that we all need to be reminded of. There are so many things that can consume our time. There's so many things that we can become busy with. And there are even things that are good. They're not the one necessary thing. I want to leave you just with one specific application as we begin to close here. This wasn't meant to be a necessarily a going into 2024 sermon, but, but going into the new year. Uh, let's make a priority every day of scheduling some quiet time to sit at Jesus' feet, to be fed by Jesus through Bible study and through prayer every day. It, it won't be a priority if you don't schedule it. You see how that works? You have to schedule the one necessary thing. And if you don't know where to start, there's a table in the back. And it has some pamphlets that has a plan for reading your Bible every day and for for a specific prayer to pray every week, specifically for this congregation. The the elders and the preachers here, they they care about that. They care about us getting the one necessary thing, and so they've put that in place for us. But I, I just encourage you, in 2024, make it a priority to get the one necessary thing. I want to close with verse 40. Look back at verse 40 with me. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Do you not care, Jesus? What was Martha saying? Did you not care about me? Have you forgotten about me, Jesus? Do, do you remember who I am? Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus was on his way to the cross. Jesus was about to show Martha just how much he cared. Martha, Martha, I don't have much time. I just have a few more moments, Martha. I do care about you. That's why I want you to sit at my feet. So I want to teach you The most important things, Martha. Brothers and sisters, we aren't guaranteed any time. We might just have a few moments left to sit at the feet of Jesus. And that's why we need to make it a priority. Because one thing is necessary. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions@thebibleway.com, questions@thebibleway.com. We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can, but thank you for connecting with us.